That was good, wasn't it? And the Lord's good. Yeah, amen. So, um, I'll, let me tell you a little secret. It's my personal secret. I think I may have told Becky this terrible secret about myself. This last year, about the end of the year, I had this, this grand thought. thought, you know what I'm going to do next year, being 2015? I'm going to preach through the Gospel of John. That was a, yeah, that one, that was awesome. So I spent a lot of time in that book, and I didn't want to tell nobody because I was a little scared I couldn't do it. And uh, I'm glad I didn't because I couldn't do it. <laughs> I tried to do it. If you, anybody's got a really good memory, I preached a few messages out, but I didn't tell anybody that's what I was doing. I was just going to go until I couldn't. Well, that lasted about three weeks. <laughs> I'm really good. <laughs> I just had this uh, wonderful admiration of people, of preachers and teachers who can just go through a book of, you know, and teach through the Scripture. I think it's just like an amazing, an amazing, amazing gift from God. Unfortunately, I don't have that amazing, amazing gift. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, the round peg and the square holes, you know, you know what I'm saying? There's some things you just would love to be able to do, but you can't, you really can't make yourself in good conscience do them. And that's, that's the way it felt to me. It's like I was trying to do something that really wasn't given to me to do. But the reason I'm telling you my terrible secret was there was a few, there was one thing in particular that really grabbed a hold of me in the Gospel of John that I really haven't been able to let go of. And it's the last chapter. In the, in the Gospel of John, I just feel like that is such a profound uh, chapter in that Gospel. I mean, they're all profound, obviously, right? I mean, John 14, I mean, that to me is like the ultimate revelation of the Father chapter in the whole Bible, you know? It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, the whole Bible is. But, you know, when God makes something, grabs, something, grabs your heart with something and begins to reveal something to you, it has so much of a... You have so much joy with it, and, and there's such more of a drawing power on it. But one of the things, if you look at the Gospel of John, especially John 20, which is, you know, where Jesus was resurrected and appeared at the tomb, you know, and, and then he appeared to the disciples in the locked room. They were all afraid. And then he appears, you know, Thomas was sort of, <laughs> had gone astray at that moment, and uh, I've always wondered about that, like, man, Thomas, what in the heck is wrong with you? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the Lord shows up and you're not there. <laughs> How would, that would be a bad day for me, right? Like, you're so messed up, you don't really get what's happening, and then, then the thing that you dreamed of, the person you dreamed of shows up and you're not there. You know, like the day that you've dreamed of all your life in church, when the man of his presence came and everybody knew it, it, it wasn't just a feeling, but it was like a light came into the room and everybody saw the light and angels manifested and everybody saw angels and, and you weren't there that day. <laughs> and you heard about it. And you were so messed up that when your friends told you about it, you would have said, well, I don't believe it unless I get to experience it. <laughs> right? That's what Thomas did. Like, stick your I got to stick my fist into this person. <laughs> and, uh... Well, that's what happened, and, you know, that was the, it was powerful. You know, the Lord, you know, met these men, and it seemed like if you really look at it, just look at the Gospel of John, it seems like John 20 was it's the end. You know what I mean? It's like the Gospel is concluded. The, the story is told, you know, and, but then all of a sudden there's 21. Like, 21 was like an addendum given to us. 
to try to help explain some things that were not necessarily clear through the rest of the book. That's that's the way I I see it. I feel like it's like a it's like a transition for where the Lord revealed Himself to His people, to His men, to His followers, His closest followers, and was trying to help them make this marvelous transition on a personal level, not just a corporate level. Acts 1 kind of gives us a picture of the corporate uh, transition the, the, the followers were making. But uh, John 21 is kind of a, the personal thing. And here's, here's what it really is. It's this transition from going from this very visible flesh and blood person that you could get up every day of your life and touch and smell and hear him salt and ask him personal questions and he was right there to answer to go into this invisible person this invisible person that suddenly you could not touch him you could not smell him you could not feel him you could not hear him with your ears anymore that's a huge transition that those people had to make a huge transition And today, we're a people who serve a God like that. We don't serve a God that we can actually physically touch. We don't serve a God that we can tune into with our ears audibly. 99.99999. Few people in history have heard God speak. Well, you know, the ones who did in the Bible after the resurrection, Becky mentioned John, the apostle, who leaned on the breast of Jesus and actually heard the, the physical heartbeat of Christ and smelled his sweaty body you know when he saw the resurrected Christ in all his glory he he was overcome and he fell down like a dead man the Bible says after hearing, hearing that and so I think we're all faced in our life with the difficulty because I don't know about you but I find it to be extremely challenging and difficult to serve a God and love a God that I can't always see and feel and touch. Let's just be real here. I mean, this is what Christianity is. Christianity is a a life of faith. It's seeing this God through the stories of the Scripture and through other ways He reveals Himself to us, but it's not always getting to touch Him the way we want to touch Him. You know, and that's really was the, the thing that Jesus was doing. I believe one of the big reasons we have John 21 is to help you and I with this challenge of, of seeing by faith and living by faith and having a relationship with this wonderful, wonderful God that we know is wonderful, but it doesn't always feel wonderful. It doesn't always look wonderful, right? Your life doesn't always feel that. You have things in your life that you can't explain. They're contrary to who God is. They're contrary. And we try to comfort each other with scriptures like, you know, in this world you will have trouble. Jesus said that. We know that. But somehow that doesn't fully answer it. It's like, okay, I, I get that. I get that. I get that. But there's, so other, there's all these other contradictions. Are y'all following this? Yeah. And so God has chosen to give us helps in the Scripture. He's chosen to give us these little, little flashes in the Scriptures to help us in our relationship with Him, help us to live our life. And, and that's why I think it's amazing. I think, uh, I think 
you know, the church, the body of Christ, I think America, I think the world, we're, we're in a similar place in one sense that these men were. They were going from a, they were transitioning out of, out of an era, a spiritual era, a spiritual time where Christ walked on the earth. The, the great time that was prophesied had come to an end and, this, and the Messiah had come. And now the Messiah himself was leaving. Times would be different. Spirituality would be different from that point on. And they were having to make a transition, you know, from that world, that revelation, that understanding that they had into another era, another revelation, another way of living. It was different. We would all agree the gospel should give us one view of life and spirituality with Christ. The book of Acts gives us a whole other view. <laughs> and then, you know, if you read long enough through the Bible, you find Revelation gives us this whole other crazy view. <laughs> it's crazy. And so we see God brings people through different seasons. You know, we, are, we go through seasons personally. A few years ago, when uh, Barack Obama was elected president, his whole campaign was on hope and change. And I was telling Becky, well, I don't know about the hope, but I'll tell you, things have changed. Things have changed. The world we live in today is not the world we lived in a few years ago. Things have changed in the church world, in the spiritual world. I don't know if you've noticed, but we have moved out of something. We've moved out of something that I've lived through all the way through spiritually, a spiritual season, a spiritual time that I feel has come to an end. We even see that reflected in the deaths of some of the major people who carried the voice of that era that we were in. Are y'all following this? If you've been around long enough and if you live long enough and Christ doesn't return, you'll experience that yourself. And there will be a bit of of remorse in your heart over what is no longer. You know, that's that's natural. You will will grieve over the loss of people, over the loss of relationships with people who've influenced you. You'll grieve over the loss of the move of God that no longer exists Because God wants to do something different. Just like the disciples, you know they grieved over. Even though Jesus said, it's better that I go away. Convince me, Lord, it's better that you go away. I can't be convinced of that. I can't be convinced. The only way I'm going to be convinced is to have a major encounter with you. Otherwise, I'm going to be living out here trusting in something that I I can't get in touch with. God wants to give us... God wants to give us a testimony as, as something that you have, you have personally witnessed, personally seen and personally heard. That's what he, the church's power is in that. The church's power is in what we've encountered. It's not what we know. It's what the person we've encountered. And that's what we can bring to people. Then we can have our doctrines and theology all around that. But that explains the doctrine and theology. The, the- theology and doctrine don't explain that. We've got it backwards many times. We're trying to bring an understanding of people to something that we don't understand. But when you have an encounter, somehow you can impart that encounter to people. You know? And then we can have people who can explain things and give them good information that will help them help them with, with this encounter with this person. Are, are y'all following this? Anyways... The Lord have mercy on all of us, right? Yes. So, you know, it's like we're trying to go from one era spiritually to another era spiritually. We're going to go from 
how God moved to how God wants to move in the future, and we need help getting there. How many people need help getting there? I need. I desperately need help. Lord, I need help because it's not like we're there, and it's like we're stuck on this bridge somewhere, and we're looking back at the wonder of what God did, and we can't go back to it. We have to dare ourselves not to go back. Don't dare go back. That's a mistake, yet we want to. We want to go back to how God touched us and how God spoke and how He revealed Himself. That's how, what we desire. We desire Him to do that. And we're looking to a future we don't see or hear. And God requires us to go that way. He requires it of us. Otherwise, we get stuck in religion and deadness. And we go back to where God was and He wasn't no more. Because He's saying, I'm on the other side of the bridge. Why did you go back? Being a follower of Christ, is a, it can be a daggone challenging thing on a day in and day out. It can be very challenging. It can be, in times like this, it can be even more challenging. But God has, God, we're up to, the, we're up to it. We're up to the encounter. We're up to it because God has imparted to us something. We sing about it. We sing about it. Lord, your presence is everything. Your presence is everything, Lord. We've got to have God. We want you, God. We want to be close to you, God. That's, that's what we have. We have this hunger for God that makes us willing to take the risk, to step out there and go after this invisible God and try to find Him so we can follow Him and be those people that He's called us to be. We're not satisfied to sit back and take the easy way out, the riskless way out, or lack of risk, however you say that. We're not satisfied with that life. God's put something else in us, and I believe He's put that in every human being on the face of the earth. I don't believe there's a human being. I see people who do it. I understand why they do it. It's part of human nature. It's part of the fall for, to settle in a place. But it's not part of your spirit your spirit man. Your spirit man hungers for God. It hungers for the more of God because we were created for it. We were created for it. Let me read John 21, 1 through 3. It says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again. Everybody say, showed himself. In other words, he's trying to help them. He's trying to help them. He wasn't showing himself. He wasn't with them all the time anymore. Just put yourself in their place. Look at it. You know, is he going to show up? Is he going to walk through the wall? Is he going to, you know. But he showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way he showed himself. I love that. It tells us two times in one verse about him showing himself. It's like God really was trying to say, this is what this chapter is all about. This is what this chapter is. He sets, he sets the stage God wants to reveal himself. He wants to show himself to people so people can get something from him. And so Simon Peter, this is cool, man. Thomas called the twin. Nathaniel, they listed these guys. There is no hiding in the Bible. God does not allow us to hide from himself. Nathaniel, don't you love it? He just exposed these guys. Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, you know who that was. James and John, these were like the sons of thunder, man. Uh, the man who leaned on Jesus' breast. And two others, the Lord had mercy on those two others. Who were they? He didn't want us to know who those two others were. But he said, I'm going to nail these guys to the wall on this in a nice way. They were together. 
And Simon Peter said to them, well, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you. Now, what Peter said was not like, hey, let's go to Lake Norman this afternoon and catch some... Uh-uh, it was no, it was not that. I wish they would do something different with the Bible in terms of how they translate the things because literally if you were a, a, a Greek person like living in Jesus' time, you, this is how you read, read this. I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done with this, this thing, I'm done. This is how you say it in the country, I'm done with this, I'm done with this foolishness. I, I'm going back and doing something I can do because I'm not doing so hot with this fishing for men thing that... Somehow or another, I got roped into back there, you know, a couple years ago. I'm done with that. No, sir, I'm going to do what I can do. I can fish and catch fish and feed me and feed my wife and my family. And I can be successful because I am not going to live my life failing like I've done. Now, that's really what he was saying. That's what he was saying. Now, I don't know how, if the others were really saying that, but they were saying, well, you're probably right. And think about it. This is the guy, one of the guys who just stuck his fist in the side of Jesus in the past week or so. Stuck his fist in him. These are the same guys who Jesus walked through a wall into a room with. And they're like, they still are not doing well. And these are the same people that Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. He blew into them, breathed his life into them. These are the same people who walked with him three years. He experienced all he did. And they're like, they're frustrated. They're done. They're, they're thinking something different with their life. Anybody ever been there? Uh, and I think that's one of the things that we have to face is we have faced, we are facing, some of us are still facing more than us, is life doesn't always work out the way we think it's going to work out. Things don't always go the way we think they're going to go. Every promise of God, every encounter with God, every revelation, every dream, sometimes you, you come to these places in life where it looks like all that has been flushed down the proverbial commode. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you don't, some you haven't been around a long time. <laughs> but you've walked with the Lord long enough you're going to come up one day some, with some severe disappointment in your life. You're going to come up one day with some severe failure in your life. You, we had to face that. And that's where these people were. They had lost everything. They had poured their dreams. They had poured their life into this person. And, and the call that they believed that he had called them to live and the life that he had gave them to live and somehow, even though this person died and they, they were crushed through that whole thing, he came back and revealed himself. Nobody's ever done that before. And talked to them and breathed the Holy Spirit on them and, and commissioned them. And yet they were still done. So don't be surprised. You can have the greatest encounters of God and you can move in things and be breathed on by God, but you can find yourself in a place where you're done. And I'm going to tell you something. Most of the done people in the world that I've found... People who get done with something are, are usually very passionate people. Yeah, uh, you know, it's sort of like a girl who falls in love for the first time and she gets scorned by, the, by her boy. And the next thing you know, she's like done with every man. Have you ever thought about that? Like every guy in the world is a piece of trash over this one guy. I'm done with him. I'll never do it again. I think y'all haven't ever been around girls like that. 
that said that kind of stuff. Like, well, I didn't do nothing. Why are you mad at me? I didn't, I didn't betray you. That was this other guy. And, well, that's what happens. Some men are slightly like that also, but they kind of get over it quicker. You know, I, I, there's a difference between men and women when it comes to all that. Becky was telling me this. She said she didn't understand. She didn't understand. This is what she said. She, she doesn't want me to tell her. But she said she didn't understand why men were the way they were about certain things. That's all I'm going to say. And this is what I told her. I said, because if they weren't, they would not be any people on the planet. They, they, this world would disappear. You know, it would just be gone. The population would die out. Anyways, I thought she understood that. <laughs> yep, man, man, man. But I really believe this morning if you're a person sitting in this room and your dreams have been crushed, the good thing I'd like to say to you is you're a, and you, and you, you, you can't seem to get out of that mode. You can't seem, you, you've got some passion in your life. You had something really good going for you. Your heart is like Peter. Peter was just wide open for God. You know, in our Christian life, you're going to find people who were like that, and one day you hear about them, and you find out they'd fallen. You find out they had went another way. And and many of the people that I've known who've done that, they have been some of the most passionate people that I've known. I remember when I was first exposed to it as a young believer, this young friend of mine who was passionate about God, about worship, about what he was doing with life, about his education, anything that man touched, he was full of passion. I remember working with him one day doing landscaping. He was studying landscaping architect at NC State at the time, and he was so passionate about landscaping. It made me passionate about it, and I hate stuff like that. It's because God had gifted him like Peter. He was wide open. His heart was wide open. Yet the last thing I heard about that young man is he got messed up in a move of God. They quit, and he didn't know what to do with himself, and he got frustrated with God. He got frustrated with Christianity, and he went to some other version of religion. It's the last thing I ever heard about him. And you see, it was because his heart was so wide open that he couldn't deal. Are y'all following that? And see, some of us in this room, what you need to see is you got a really good heart if you're stuck. you got a really good heart. you got a passionate heart. you got a gift from God. you got a gift from God. And what God sees in you, and you, what you have to know about yourself, is the very thing that burned in you about the Lord is still in there. The thing that caused you to dream, the thing that caused you to create the life and live the life that you were living, it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. And the Lord knows that, and He knew that about Peter especially. He knew that thing that burned in Peter was, was the thing that God put in Peter, and, God, and that's what Jesus came. He came looking for that thing, to draw that thing back out, to keep Peter from going in another direction in his life. And see, that's one of the things the Lord wants to do for a lot of people right now. Is he wants to visit them. He wants to visit them and, and wake that thing up and draw that thing back out of their hearts that's in there and to keep them from going off or just shutting down and becoming, you know, a Christian who does nothing with their life but just goes through the motions. 
Are y'all following that? Ooh, have mercy, Lord. This is not working out so hot. I got too much. To... I'm going to do this next thing, then I'm stopping because I can't do the whole thing. Anyways, y'all need to be praying because we got to go to the chap- River Life Chapel Hill tonight and, you know. We would like to see the Lord move. I was telling everybody, this is, this is another terrible secret about me. Every time I've gone there and preached, it's been like this. Baker said, maybe you should preach shorter. I'm thinking, I, I, if I don't talk for five minutes, it would be five minutes of... Lord, I want something a little bit more tonight. than That's the way it feels to me. Like, why do y'all want me to come? <laughs> Just, I can come and not do anything. I would be a lot happier myself instead of going home, wore out and beat up and, and feeling like a failure. <laughs> I haven't said that to Matthew yet, but I'm thinking tonight after this, I'm telling him, listen, something's going to have to change here, son. <laughs> but when the morning had now come, they were out fishing all night. Verse 4, Jesus stood on the shore. Isn't that wonderful? The morning, he waited all night long. I just love that. Don't you love that picture? They're out there just struggling away to try to catch fish. No telling when Jesus showed up. He could have showed up in the middle of the night and was watching them and watched them for hours. You think, why didn't you do that sooner? Why did you have to wait all night, Lord? It's sometimes God just does stuff like that. He sits back on the beach and watches us struggling away in life. Just, you know. And, you know, I think He really does it on purpose. I think he wants us just to wear out. Because you know by the morning they were wore out. They had fished all night. I mean, every, I mean all night. And then he sort of, you know Jesus had a sense of humor. Okay? Like, then Jesus said to them like he didn't know this, Children, have you any food? Like, sort of like kind of needling them at that moment. Uh, you know, lots of times the Lord asks, you know, we know this. He asked the question, not for... Not for his benefit, not like he's trying to find, did y'all catch anything? He didn't, he knew what they didn't catch. He was wanting them to come to some reality, you know, like, Adam, where are you? Like, God didn't know where Adam was. Right? He knew exactly where Adam was. Adam just didn't know where he was. And that's what these guys were. They didn't really know where they were. They were lost at that moment. They were frustrated at that moment. And lots of times, like, God, I ask you this, this seemingly dumb question, like, where are you? What are you doing, Marlon? Uh... I don't know what I'm doing, Lord, actually. I wish I knew what I was doing. You know? It's like he's trying to awaken them to reality. I love the Lord, don't you? They answered him, no. I mean, like, dude, who are you? Why are you even asking us this question? Like, like it's, you know, I mean, I don't know what the way things went back then, but, you know, I would think it ought, would be odd for somebody to ask me that. If you pull it into shore, Yeah. But out in the sea, and he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And I just think this is marvelous because at that point they didn't know this was Jesus. But you know, sometimes when you have just worn yourself out, and some, anybody, some joker off the street comes in and gives you a suggestion, it's like at that point, like, I'll try anything. You know, I mean, I'm just open to anything at this point because I'm just, I'm just done. You know, and, and so he had them in a moment where they were open. And uh, I, by the way, I wanted to tell you this. Larry Randolph has a, some great revelation, which I'm not going to tell you because I would disservice it, on this casting your net on the other side of the boat. 
about what you've been doing if it ain't working, you know, all these things. You, you should, he has a book that has that in it that's really good. Don't y'all love Larry Randolph? Therefore, so they cast it on the right side, so they cast, and now they were able to draw in. They were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Fished all night. Jesus says, throw it on the other side. They catch the whole thing. It's just full of fish. Multitude. That's a lot of fish. It's 150 something fish. 153, I think. Yes. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, Don't you think this is interesting? I don't know what was going on. It's the Lord. You know, he recognized it was the Lord. Now, when Peter heard it, so Peter wasn't recognizing it still for some reason. I don't know what was wrong with him. But at that moment, his heart had gotten so callous, he wasn't really catching what was going on around him. Have you ever been in that situation? God begins to do stuff, and you're just like dumb as a, a nail. You're not getting anything. You know, and somebody has to tell you, I don't know about you, sometimes Becky has to tell me what the Lord's doing. And it's like, oh, really? That's awesome. I knew that's what that meant. <laughs> I'm serious. That's right. I knew that. I was just trying to work it out in my heart. Anyways, that happens to us. It happens to the best of us. There's times when God's doing stuff and we're just not, we're just not getting it. It's like we're living in another world. But there's somebody who is getting it. And he said, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment because he'd taken, his, you know, taken it off so he could work un- uncumbered. Had his underwear on still. You know, because it doesn't say he'd taken his undergarments off. But, it, you know, back in those days, they wore robes. And I can imagine you didn't want to fall in the water with that robe on because it would be real heavy wet. Right? I mean, and you might drown. So I can imagine him taking it off because they had it balled up to work. He just took it off, and he was working. Uh, but he put it back on, and then he jumped in the sea. So what I just said may not be exactly right. <laughs> I said I imagined that. <laughs> I imagine he took it off so he wouldn't drown if he got in the water. But now he has gotten in the water, and he's swimming to the shore. Yeah, he's pro- that's right, Marlon. Marlon's helping me. He was just confused. <laughs> he didn't know what was going on. He took it off to keep from drowning, and he put it on and jumped in the water. <laughs> Maybe he thought he was... <laughs> Never mind. I appreciate you helping me, Marlon. Anyways, Lord have mercy, right? Yeah. Yes. So he jumps in the water, and the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubics which is a good ways, dragging the net with fish. So they never actually brought the fish into the boat. They were dragging it behind the boat. Um, Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went up. This is crazy. He went up and dragged that thing to the, the net to the land by himself. Full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. It was like at that moment he had this surge of energy where he was able to drag that net up to the, by himself, where they couldn't even get the net into the boat. Now, you know something was happening with him at that moment. That's, that was amazing. I mean, God, he, he knew something was happening. He was energized spiritually. It's like somebody coming into church dead as a hammer, you know, and like God doesn't hardly exist, and God touches them, and they got more energy than everybody in the room, and they're out ready to go, you know, 
They're ready to go to the deepest, darkest continent on the planet at that moment because God has touched them and they're like a different person. Jesus uh, said to them, come and eat breakfast. Um, Like I said before, the Lord did a lot of His great works around food. You know, He was big into food. Y'all should be happy about that. (laughs) Especially people who are really into fasting. I would like to liberate you this morning (laughs) that Jesus was really into feasting. I'm serious. Two of his major revelations in the scripture happened around eating. This one and then there's another one over in Luke 24. And so they were having some breakfast and they were scared. They, You know, that was just crazy. None of the, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? You know, knowing that it was the Lord. They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I wanted to finish here and tell you this, that I believe one of the things the Lord does to help people when we find ourselves in these states, we find ourselves in between, we find ourselves where the best thing we had was behind us and we feel like we have no future or we feel like we failed, we feel like we're done, God does things to help us. And one of the things He does is God wants to reveal Himself to people. God wants to reveal the majesty of Himself. Uh, Becky was reading something to me this morning that A.W. Tozer was saying. I can't say it the way he said it, but this is basically what he said. He said, when we bring God down, our view of God down, we bring everything down. We bring worship down, we bring theology down, we bring everything down, we bring our lives down. Because at the end of the day, we're not bringing God down, we're bringing ourselves down. Because the way we see God affects everything about our lives. And you wonder about the church sometimes. You have to wonder, is our real problem our view of God? Is our real problem how we see God? Because we've seen him wrongly. And because we've seen him wrongly, we've portrayed him wrongly. And we've given a bad view of God to each other. And we've given a bad view of God to the world, I believe. I, I really believe this. Here's something an amazing man wrote that I copied down a while back. I wish I'd have wrote his name down, but... To try and reduce God in any way is a dangerous road for us to travel. To try to reduce God in any way is a dangerous road for us to travel. The reasoning is simple. When we reduce God, we're doing absolutely nothing to God Himself. We are ultimately doing ourselves the most significant disservice. Doing ourselves a disservice. The most significant disservice. How we see Him shapes every aspect of our lives. How we see God shapes every aspect of our lives. Let's behold Him as He is. It's not through formal that we step into our purpose. It's through intimacy. Because as He is, so are we in the world. Isn't that a wonderful statement? You see... For us to get over this bridge, we're going to have to see 
we're going to have to see God different than he was on the other side of the bridge. See, that's what the disciples' problems were. They knew a flesh Jesus, a flesh and the blood Jesus. And he was no longer revealing himself as a flesh and the blood Jesus. And they were having to learn how to quit embracing that flesh and the blood Jesus and learn how to embrace the Jesus that came to them. In the scriptures you'll find this several times. Jesus coming in different ways. Every way he came was telling us a little thing about him. It would be, and I think, I, I feel like sort of like obsession. With, you know, <laughs> like I feel obsessed. Anybody got obsession problems in here? <laughs> Tell me the truth. You know, you get obsessed by things. You know, I mean, I'm, obs- I'm obsessed by several things. This is a good obsession, I think. It's this obsession with being able to recognize the Lord when he comes. Regardless how he comes. Because God wants us to know when he shows up. Because God likes to show up in ways dissimilar to how we have known him to show up. The church will fall into some deadly traps in worship. Because if certain things happen, oh, God's present. What if it's just our emotions that's telling us that instead of God? Like, oh. And so sometimes God comes in and just tips the apple basket over to keep us from getting trapped in knowing Him in a one-dimensional way. Are y'all following this? Do you want to say something? Yeah. I really, uh, I, I, I don't want to interrupt Pastor, but um, before the meeting, uh, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and says, something's going to change. I'm going to throw a switch. And I was confused about what that meant. And um, I, I asked the Lord what it meant. And he showed me an old-style switch. You know, one of those things where, like, you've got three bars. That would indicate a three-phase current. And it was, you know, one of those big lever kind of copper bar switches. But the power was in the middle hinge. The power was in the middle hinge. And it was connected to circuits up here. And I saw an arm come in and grab it. It was a big arm, big switch. And it came and pulled that down and engaged it with a whole new three circuits down at the bottom. And, and I was still confused about, what is this? But as, as Byron has preached this message, I think we really need to pay attention to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because he is throwing a switch. He's connecting himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to an entirely different way of doing things, an entirely different circuitry. We're going to see a time of change as individuals and in this church because there is a change that is happening. He's throwing a switch. It won't be as it was. It will be as it should be. Right. We'll take that, Lord, right? Well, let me just finish real quick and tell you, just this is a practical part, a few practical things about how the Lord reveals himself. I'll tell you right quick that I feel like that God's spoken to me through over the years that has 
I mean, I'm a slow learner. Honestly, I'm still not. I'm still not getting this. I don't really believe. I feel like I'm just scratching at it. One of them is when he appeared to Mary at the tomb. Y'all know that in John 20, she didn't know it was the Lord. She says it supposed him to be the gardener. You know, he was trying to tell us something. Really, he was trying to say, "Listen, the garden of God has been restored." That's part of what he was saying there. It was a revelation that what God intended from the very beginning. The commission of God was still on. It had been restored to what God started. Man lost. God said, no, it's not lost. It's back. That's why she supposed him to be the gardener. That's why he looked like a gardener. He was trying to sell us something. And she was, you know, saying, oh, you know, where, where have you laid him? You know, she was frantic because she, she, uh, she was one of us, right? She was, she was one of us. And if somebody took this person, she wanted to know. We, that's, what, that's the heart that God has put in us. I believe he's put it in every human being. We just, some of us just don't know it. Well, she, the Lord had to speak to her. And he said, what are you seeking? Who are you looking for? And that's when she went through it. But she still didn't recognize it. And then he said, spoke her name. So when he said her name, she knew it. And so that's one of the ways the Lord will reveal himself, I believe, to us is when he speaks personally to us. Personally and directly to us. Where you know God has spoken to you somehow. You may not understand it. You may not get it. But there's times when God's voice is going to be made real in your life. If you've never heard His voice, God wants for you to hear His voice. You know, the Bible says, My sheep hear my voice and know my voice. We've quoted that. But I'm thinking, Really, Lord? I don't... Really? Seriously, Lord? Seriously? Do I hear you? I need to know I hear you. I don't need to just quote a scripture that says it. That's good. I'm glad I'm biblical. You know, I'm happy I'm biblical. But I need to have this encounter, this experience. And that's what she had. She had a personal engagement with God. And out of that personal engagement with God, she went back and told. She was the first gospel preacher after Jesus was resurrected. There was another woman who did it before. It was a woman at the well, just so y'all know. Women are supposed to be preaching. Everybody who says they ain't, they ain't paying attention. They got their brains clogged. But women are supposed to be preachers because Jesus sent a woman to preach, and he sent this woman to preach two times. Well, they just did it before he was resurrected. They don't do that no more after he was resurrected. Well, bull, he did it the first person. <laughs> I've just debunked the arguments. I, I was just imagining that argument. Well, they would say, well, the woman at the well, you know, that was before Christ ascended and, you know. Well, then in the, the sorry. <laughs> you know, I have these, uh, Becky can tell you, I have these ongoing conversations where I use other people's voices <laughs> to argue out points, you know. Anyways. You know what we should do is we should make a children's, we should write children's books. You know? I think there's people in this room that should write children's books that are really good, not cheesy, but are really good, that tell something about eternal things, beautiful things, but tell it in a way that's really good because children get it. A lot better than we get it. They get it. And I think there's just a harvest field for children out there. 
and I think books like that, and because I, I was watching this movie yesterday, it was a, not a Christian movie. It was a book. It was called Turbo. It was about a snail that run real fast. You know, a snail that run fast. It was the coolest movie ever, and my grandkids were infatuated with it. And I was thinking, man, we need to do this. We need to do this kind of stuff. The church needs to do this. We need to do this. We could tell the story of God in these beautiful little stories and they would get it. They would get it. And it don't have to be crummy. It could be awesome. We can do this. We can. We can tell the story of God in a silly little story that's powerful that would touch little hearts and capture their little hearts. I, I believe that. I wish I could do it. I would do it. I really would. So, anyways, that has nothing to do with anything. I'm sorry. Road to Emmaus. The breaking of the bread. They didn't know who Jesus was. Remember the story, Luke 24. They walked. He told them this great. He preached. The Bible says he preached himself from the whole Bible. But they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Until he did what? He broke the bread. And when he broke the bread, their eyes were open and they saw him. That just tells me one thing. You can tell people doctrine. You can tell them stuff all day long. But they got to see the Word of God broken open, which is the revelation of God. The, you know, the personality of Christ released through the Word. What it, instead of, And then they said, Oh, gosh, our hearts really were burning when He was saying that. There really was something happening. That's one of the ways God reveals Himself to people. And then, uh, you know... Uh, walking on the sea in a storm. He'd sit there and did that same thing, watched his disciples struggle, trying to cross a boat, trying to cross over. And the storm came up. It was Matthew 14, I think. And they couldn't get across it because of the storm. And he sits there and watches them to about 3 o'clock in the morning, I think. <laughs> and he cut them some slack and didn't let them sit there until 6 o'clock, struggling against the wind. And he walks out there on the water. And the Bible says they saw him and they were terrified. They were terrified. They thought it was a ghost. <laughs> they thought Jesus was a ghost. They were so scared. You know, we would think, well, no adult should believe in ghosts, but they were terrified. If you saw somebody in the middle of the night and you was in a storm and you'd been struggling for hours and this dude comes walking up on the water, you think you'd be all happy and, and saying, come on. And, you know, No, they were terrified. And he said this to them. He said, it's me, don't be afraid. Yeah, I think he might have said I, but I think the original Greek is me. <laughs> it's me! Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And he sort of act like he keeps going, no, get in the boat with us. So God, this is what this tells me. God will reveal himself to you and I in the middle of the storm. In the middle of our worst moment when we're scared to death, when life is falling apart and, and all hell has come against us, that's the time when God wants to reveal himself. And I just encourage you, if, if that's where you find yourself today, or the next time you find yourself, look for God. Look for Him, because He's somewhere walking around out there, you know, strolling around in the middle of the storm, wanting to give you the peace that you need to get through it. The other time, uh, I'm about done. I know you're getting anxious. I can feel it. I just love this, just because I really want you to be equipped I want, that's what I want. I want us to be equipped to recognize the Lord. And I want us to be equipped to look at life through the lens of Christ. That when we see our life, we see what's going on around us. We, 
we see it through Him. Because if you don't see it through Him, it's not good. It's just going to be bad all the time. You're never going to be happy. It's going to be temporary. It's when he met Paul on the Damascus Road. Remember that? Paul's headed to somewhere to Damascus to get people and put them in jail. This is before Paul was a believer in Christ. And this bright light appears and it knocks him off his horse. He's knocked down. And Jesus speaks to him. Paul, why? Paul, why? Saul, Saul. I think it was Saul in those days. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, well, who are you? You know, that was the greatest answer in the Bible. Who the heck are you? I'm not doing anything to you. What are you doing this to me? Like I can do something to somebody that's got this much power? You get that? Don't you think that was sort of a dumb thought there? Lord, you think I can hurt you? With all this power you just demonstrated, you just knocked me down. And I can't even see anymore. And you're thinking I'm persecuting you. I thought it was pretty funny when I read it the first time. (laughs) And he said, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. He said, get up from there. and You're going to go and you're going to preach the gospel. You're going you're to do some amazing things with your life, Paul. This is your life that I've given you. And it just says this. Somewhere in your life, Christ is going to reveal himself to you in the terms of the destiny that it has for your life. Because your destiny and your purpose is going to come looking for you more than you're going to look for it. And God is going to show up one day and reveal himself somehow to you in that moment. And you can be assured that it's him. That it's him. Whatever whatever it is that thing is. Okay. (laughs) And, of course, this one was one was, you know, in the miracle. I just want to remind you, even though Peter wasn't getting it, is there was another time when they had fished all night and they'd even gotten out of the boats, was cleaning the nets. This was early on. And the Lord said, hey, let's go fishing. And they said, well, we've done already tried that. We didn't catch nothing. And he said, no, let's go. And they, and they said, at your word, I thought that was beautiful, at your word we'll do it. And he said, cast the nets down, and they did, and they caught so much fish that time, the boat was sinking. And they had to call James and John over, who were partners in their fishing business, to help put fish in their boat. And the Bible says Peter at that moment fell on his knees and said, Lord, depart from me because I am a wicked man. I'm a wicked man. I'm a wicked man. And so here he is, three and a half years later, another catch. You see how the Lord was trying to activate something in him, to get him to remember something, get him to remember that moment when he had this encounter with the Lord. So lots of times the Lord reveals himself through memories, that he will do something in our memory to remind us of a moment. Okay. (laughs) Was that too much? I think, you know what, I really appreciate what Jim, Jim, why don't you to come up and pray for us? I think that's the prayer we need is, is you to, hey, let's say Andy Squires, everybody know who Andy Squires is? If you don't, don't bother getting, a, <laughs> Andy used to leave worship here until Jacob came and we said, we don't want you no more, we, we want Jacob in. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this is, this is how we got Jacob early. 
Andy Squires felt like the Lord told him to move to Texas. And we cried, literally, when he told us that. Because we love him to death. And we were looking for somebody else to take over leading worship. And we thought about somebody else. And Andy said, no, I know somebody who needs to come to this church and lead worship. And it was Jacob. Jacob Early. And I'm going to tell you, it's been a gift both ways. Amen. It's been a gift both ways. I really do feel like the Lord is saying, um, get ready for something entirely different. I felt like the little imagery that Byron used in his message of being halfway across a bridge and realizing that it would not be good to go back to where you were, but that you have to go forward even though you don't know what's going to be there on the other side of this transition. But God reassured us through that vision of the big switch that his power, the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will accompany us in this new land that he wants us to possess. I believe that there's a lot of people today who have this just a little glimmer of a new vision for your life ahead of you. Some of you may be an old dude like me, you know, but I'm, I'm speaking this into my own life. There's new things in the kingdom ahead. Don't, and I read a quote from uh, uh, Thoreau the other day that said, it doesn't really matter what you look at. It matters what you see. So in these times ahead of us, see the Lord. See the opportunity. See the challenge. See the life. Okay? Okay? A new day is dawning. It's time to open our eyes and see. Lord, I pray right now that you would give us your eyes to see as you see and your ears to hear as you hear, that we could with boldness go where no man has gone before. You know, that we can explore those new realms of your kingdom that you're about to reveal in the earth, Lord God. We want to be that people who abide in your presence in changing times, Lord God. We want to be that people who have the joy of the Holy Spirit saturating us with that oil of gladness and hope and excitement in the future, Lord God. Awaken us, awaken us by your spirit this morning to see as you see and hear as you hear and act as you act, Lord. For the glory of Jesus the Christ. Oh, Lord, we love you. We want to see you glorified in the earth today. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord God. We're just like Peter. We're wicked men. We see your hand of power moving about us. And we say, oh my God, I'm not qualified to move with that. But you say, come on, boy, let's fish. Pour out on us. Pour out on us. Pour out on us right now. Holy Spirit, pour out on us right now. Pour out on us, Holy Spirit. 
Oh, God, for your glory, for your glory, for your glory. If you feel like the Lord wants to transition you into something you've never walked in before, now is the time. Now is the time if the, if the ministry team wants to come forward and, and pray. Let's enter in together. Let's enter into that new thing that God has for us. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let the fear of failure. Don't let the fear of finances. Don't let the fear of other people's faces hold you back. But come and get into that new thing God wants you to walk in. You know who you are. You know who you are. Just come and enter in. Enter in with gladness to the new thing. Don't hold on to the old. Come and enter in. Why don't we all stand up right now and Andy's going to... Just play for us for a minute. We just, yeah, just encourage you to come on forward. I feel like the Lord is dealing with some people this morning. So just if you feel that tug in your heart, whatever it is you're needing, just come get prayer. So we love you guys. And um, if you, you can stay and hear Andy sing or you can be dismissed. We love you all and be blessed.